Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello. Um, it's Facebook Live. I've got some questions here. Uh, as you now know, that every Tuesday at 7 o'clock-ish, I will be here to do questions and answers. So if you have any questions, then you can feel free to uh, ask them live. I also have some uh, questions that have been preordained, uh, which I will go through. Um, but feel free to chip in. Uh, feel free to comment and share if you have any questions while we go through these questions that we've got uh, right here on my thing that I did earlier. Question number one. This question came after the last one because the last one I was talking about vasal liposuction and someone said uh, um, I've got bulges or dents um, after my liposuction. So would vasoliposuction be a good thing to treat that? Um, there's nothing, I've got quite a lot of inquiries about vasoliposuction after the last one, and I don't know <laughs> information and everything, and I don't do it. Um, there's nothing, um, I was going to say there's nothing special. There's nothing sort of different about vasoliposuction in terms of the fact that you can't, there's not a lot that you can do more, arguably there's nothing you could do more with light vasor that you can do with normal liposuction. So you can still do everything with normal liposuction that you can do with vasor liposuction. Hello, Shona, good to see you. Um, so there's nothing so special about vasor in those terms. So asymmetries after liposuction is a problem. Bulges or dents is a problem after liposuction. And it is difficult to treat. If someone has a bulge or a dent after liposuction, I don't think, oh, they need vasor. So vasor is just a way of doing liposuction. It's not anything like, you know, there's different ways of, there's different machines you can do to do the liposuction. And um, so we tend to do power-assisted liposuction. Um, but you can do vasor, you can do smart lipo, you can do um, other ones, um, smart lipo is sort of laser assisted. You can just do suction assisted liposuction, uh, where you just sort of use a sucker thing. Um, tulip system, that's how we used to do it. So there's lots of different ways of doing it, but all of them do the same thing, which is basically suck the fat out through a tube. And if you suck too much fat out in one area, you get a dent. And if you suck not enough fat out in one area, you get a bulge. So that is the complication of liposuction, bulges and dents. And they're difficult to treat. Um, and the way you usually treat them are a bulge you can treat by doing more liposuction. You've got to be really careful. I mean, the, well, it sounds a bit, you know, the best thing is to sort of try and prevent them. You know, prevention is better than cure. So when we're learning how to do long time no see, Denise, long time in real life, but not in the virtual way because you're always on the comments and everything, which is nice, but long time virtually, I mean, physically seeing you. Um, um, so 
yeah, so, so the complications of liposuction is, is bulges and dents. Uh, when we are doing liposuction or when we're you know, teaching people how to do liposuction, you have to feather it, so you have to do it in such a way that uh, you don't keep on going in the same area, especially if you're using something like a power-assisted liposuction, because if you just you know, leave the liposuction in and sort of start chatting to your friends, so you've got to be careful that you keep it moving. You've got to use multiple stabs, two to three stab incisions to keep it moving, to um, oh, I've got to, put this to keep it moving, to um, um, to make sure that you don't keep on going in one place. Because if you're going in one incision, then you're going to fan it out and you're going to take more from the base of the fan than the edges of the fan. So you do lots of fans which means a few incisions. How? Hi, Gemma. Nice to see you. That's a good profile picture you've got there. Um, so, um, so, yeah, you try and prevent it if you can. But if you have got it, it's not helpful to those of you out there who've got it. So if you've got a problem, then more liposuction can help with the bulge. But you've got to be so careful because you don't want to take away too much. So you want to try and feather in the edges. And with a dent, you could try and do some fat grafting, actually injecting some fat back into the dent. Um, and you know it's it's difficult to, pro to treat those problems. First thing I'd say is if you have got a bulge or a dent, leave it for a few months because you often get bulges and dents to start with. It's quite common to get bulges and dents when you first have excess swelling and all sorts going on, scarring. So you've got to leave it. I would say six months a year really for it to really properly settle. And a lot of contour irregularities will settle in that time. But if they don't, um, then there are things that can be done if there's a big dent or a big uh bulge but it is difficult and it is tricky and the problem is when you get into that sort of thing there's a risk of doing it getting it worse so you start um you start um um getting, you start uh, getting more of a dent or more of a bulge um magic hands magic hands huh came from nowhere disappeared um there you go so magic hand styano here um right that was a good one that was a good one drag that out looking a bit afro today i used to look afro this is about as afro as it gets these days but uh, i am looking a bit afro in myself i'm noticing myself on camera and uh Thing on it, a haircut, but my wife did it way too short last time. I looked almost bald, so I've got to be a bit careful with her. I've got to rein her in a bit because she went for a buzz cut. Not sure what that is, but that was a bit of a balding thing that she did to me last time. So, I'll be careful. Right, we've got one here. We've got one here. Shall I do this? Oh, oh, I've got them in order. Anyway, I'm going to do this one. This is a patient who had a revision tummy. So she's already had a she had a tummy tuck. I think eight years ago was it? Some time ago, anyway. Um, She's had a revision tummy tuck. She's had another tummy tuck in Slovakia, um, and it was all okay to start with. Um, one of the problems I think she had lots of pregnancies, lost a lot of weight. Um, good job, you're better with. How dare you? How very dare you? Oh, rudeness, rude. Um, right. Um, thanks, Denise. Thank you. It's kind. <laughs> right. Um, so she had a revision tummy tuck 
What do you mean? Good job. I didn't. I didn't do this, by the way. This is a patient who's 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 asking for an opinion about all this. So revision tummy tuck in Slovakia, um, and they repaired the, the, what we call the diverification of the recti muscles. You can call it a her. Some people call it a hernia, but basically, what happens is your recti muscles, your six pack, um, could demonstrate that but I won't. Uh, your six-pack muscles splay apart when you have children. When you put on weight, they become apart. Your six-pack, your rectus, and you get a bulge between them. It's called diverification of your rectus muscles, uh, recti muscles, and that is repaired as part of a tummy tuck, sort of like a standard part of a tummy tuck. And what's happened is now this patient has had this revision tummy tuck, and uh, this bulge has come back. So it's a bulge above her belly button has come back. I, I think the wounds all healed up, are all fine, and she's contacted the surgeon repeatedly in Slovakia who has stopped um, returning her calls. So first of all, I would say that I'm very sorry to hear that, and I think that's uh, really bad. Uh, and I saw someone the other day who had a similar experience, not in Slovakia, somewhere else, but uh, that is um, really bad. And I think that that surgeon has a duty of care to you to look after you, because this is a complication, and we can all get complications. Um, sorry. Uh, we can all get complications, you know, and these things can happen. You can put things in, stitches in. One of the ways that you repair the diverification of the recti muscles is with a permanent suture. Um, and it's um, oh, what, what we call, oh, you make, an, well, it's usually a loop suture, so you don't make a knot at the top. You try, you try and avoid doing minimum knots. But anyway, at the bottom of it, when you finish the repair, you do a knot. Now, if that knot comes undone for whatever reason, then the whole thing will unfurl. And that sounds to me what might have happened here, if it was okay to start off with. Now she's got this bulge back again. That knot has given away, given way, or something has happened has given way. So there's two issues here. First of all, um, what to do, and then sort of who to do it, I suppose. She's contacted a surgeon in America who suggested a mesh um, repair. Um, and it's asking for my opinion. My opinion is it's difficult to give you an opinion without, I haven't seen any photos or anything like that, so I don't know exactly what the situation is, um, but for a standard diverification of the rectus muscles, who recti muscles, for someone who's had children or had um, uh, had a lot of, uh, been, been heavy, usually there's enough tissue within the abdominal wall in order to close it with sutures and avoid using repair in my view i don't use me uh, mesh repair i don't use mesh very often notice on american websites they often talk about mesh they often talk about um dermal scaffolds they talk about it in the breast they talk about it in the in tummy tucks and things i don't use them much i don't think we use them much that in this country there are potential complicated well we do use them for other things. So, for instance, in reconstruction, you use them a lot. So we do use meshes. And for hernia repairs, you use meshes a lot. So we, there are areas where we use mesh. But in cosmetic surgery, um, I don't tend to use mesh really much. Uh, the reason being because there are complications when you start using mesh. Mesh is a prosthetic material. It's a foreign body, a bit like an implant's a foreign body. So you worry about... Um, eh, <laughs> I worry about... Uh, so you worry about... Um, uh, getting infection. If you get infection when you've got a more prosthetic material in, whether that's a breast implant or a prosthetic mesh or a hip or a cataract or a, another cosmetic, another prosthetic thing, you know, like a heart valve, anything, any prosthetic material that you've got inside your body, uh, foreign body, if it gets infected, you have to remove it, basically. So, And that is really difficult with a mesh, because the whole point of that, the mesh is the tissues grow in, the scar tissue grows into it, and it forms a really strong scar. That's how it fixes hernias. 
but it can be a real nightmare if it does get infected. So there are potential complications with a mesh. It's a good way to support the abdominal wall if it is very, very weak and if you're putting stitches in and they're just pulling through. But um, but it's, it isn't without its complications. Um, so um, so the um, other thing is who to do it. Now, the answer is um, you should really, it's, it's your surgeon in Slovakia. You need to really stick with the same surgeon. It's not great to be going between surgeons, certainly in the immediate post-optive period. If you're getting problems, you're getting complications in the first you know, few months after surgery, it's very difficult for other surgeons to sort of pick that up. And you do sometimes see people who've sort of had surgery quite recently and then they come and, you know, or I had this conversation after the other week with someone who had a breast reduction and had some wound healing problems. Really, the whole way, the structure of the way it works, certainly in this country and certainly here in, in, in this practice, is that we get paid to do the surgery. That's where the payment comes. Um, we don't get paid for follow-up. We don't get paid for aftercare. That's part of the package, a massive part of the package. And often you say to people, oh, you know, we went to Slovakia or Dominican Republic or, I don't know, Cuba or somewhere else, and it's often a lot cheaper to have surgery there uh, and I understand that. And just, oh, you can think of it like a holiday and you can get a nice hotel and all that sort of stuff. And I can totally understand. But you've got to realize there's a reason why um, it's, it's cheaper. There's a reason why things are cheaper and there's a reason why things are more expensive. And so that's why you've got to look into, you've got to look into the training of the surgeon, the credentials of the surgeon. There's lots of very good surgeons in all those places. I'm not saying all the surgeons in Slovakia or Dominican Republic or Cuba are bad. There's fantastic surgeons everywhere. There's bad surgeons everywhere. So there's bad surgeons here and there's bad surgeons there. Um, so you've got to do your research into your credentials of your surgeon, but you've got to do research into the aftercare. So really, ideally, you want to be asking these questions before you go. You know, what if you come back to the UK and you have a problem? Because often they've got the last person I saw had no one here, really. Sometimes they have like a, a handler or something, some non-surgical person who um, they have to go through, and then they have to go relay the messages back to Slovakia to the surgeon and in this situation that surgeon's now stopped answering the questions that the, the patient's giving you need to see the surgeon the surgeon knows what your rectus muscles were like knows whether he can re-repair them if he thinks okay well that knot's gone I was a bit worried about that knot anyway and it's gone and I can just do it again or oh my goodness me the surgery was a nightmare it was really hard to repair those muscles it kept on pulling through because this is the revision case anyway this is the second operation you've had already so you, they might be saying, oh, it was really hard to do that, so therefore I'm thinking more about a mesh. So only your surgeon can talk about that. So your surgeon's in the best, best place to talk about that. So that's my advice. Go back to the surgeon. They have got a YouTube care. It is difficult. Another reason why it's difficult overseas is because it's hard to know where to come back to, you know, or how to come back on. In this country, we've got BARPs, we've got BAPRAS, we've got the Professional Plastic Surgery Associations. So if we don't... Uh, give you good service or behave in a way that is fitting, like, for instance, not replying to your calls after you've had surgery with us, you can go to Barb's and Batbrass uh, and say this isn't good uh, practice or the GMC even, um, and, you know, you've got to come back there, whereas if the surgeon's in Slovakia, Barb's and Batbrass and GMC haven't really got much to go on to, to, to go back to that surgeon to say, look, you're not behaving how a surgeon should because they're not registered with the GMC. 
So it's just about the perils of going abroad, really, and um, and the really thing you need to go out to your surgeon and and uh, hopefully they will listen to you. Um, so right, what we got? Sorry, we have got some comments. Got some comments. Good job, you're better with boot. Yeah, we've had that one. Yeah, thanks, Denise. I think you mean that in a better boobs and the pen. I'm in the magic pen trick. Oh, better with boobs and the pen. Yeah, okay. Um, not me with boobs. I got it. Okay, thank you. I thought a pen trick was pretty good, but no, anyway. Helen said, thank you, yes. Award, best, um, um, what was it, best breast and body place or something, but it was good. Yeah, always nice to get an award. Thank you for that. And uh, very happy about that. That's always a big um, boost to have some recognition, so we do try hard. Um, so sloshing after breast reduction. This is a patient of mine, uh, guilty, Your Honour, as charged. It is my patient, and I have returned the call as, uh, you know, as a good surgeon would. So um, this patient has recently had a breast reduction and is saying a lot of sloshing. To be honest with you, it's more common with breast implants, and I do make a thing of it at breast implants and I have it on my post up instruction sheet and all that sort of stuff. I'm not sure if I have a breast reduction, so maybe that's an oversight on my part that I didn't warn you before um, that uh, that this might happen. So um I'm sorry I didn't warn you before, but yeah, this is this this can happen. And basically what happens is when you do uh, this sort of surgery, you have a space inside the sort of space inside the breast and um what happens is you can get some fluid in that space and also some air in that space and it's the air fluid or interface that you can feel that water sloshing a bit like a hot water bottle um a bit like a hot water bottle sometimes so you can feel it sloshing about and sometimes you can hear it you can hear it sort of gurgling and you can feel hear some quite disconcerting noises um and it's totally nothing to worry about. It's normal. It doesn't last long. People say, hold on a minute, you never didn't expect this, you know, so this is going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. It lasts a week or two, you know, it's in a matter of days in terms of maybe a week or two, but it's not, you know, it's not a long thing, a long time it lasts, and it's just a little bit of fluid and a little bit of air causing a bit of noise and sloshing and funny feelings. So... Award was definitely well deserved. Well, what can I say, Shona? You know, we do our best. Thank you. Um, very kind. Oh, Gemma, stop it. Best in the business. You deserve it. I'm always recommending. And it's very, very much appreciated. I have to say that um, my um, practice is um, is pretty much it's pretty much all. The recommendation so i really do you know rely on recommendation uh we do do advertising or sort of marketing for mole cysts and things like that um but we don't do anything from breast and body contouring it's all word of mouth so thank you Gemma. that is very much appreciated and uh, i do have a sort of ethos in the clinic that i'm trying to build uh that it is actually the patients that we're trying to get a happy everything we can to get a happy patient because that is, you know, good practice, but it is also how you um, get a reputation and get trust within sort of the community. So I think it's so important. The aftercare is absolutely crucial, and we will max out on the aftercare because it is absolutely crucial. And unfortunately, a lot of people only realize that afterwards. Um, 
a bit like insurance really you only know it's good when you need it but uh, it is something that we do work hard at to um, make sure we have the absolute best aftercare we can possibly give so i've got a question coming in live from Gemma. Gemma, what Gemma two can we call you Gemma two Gemma r uh would you advise again uplift hold on a minute let's do that again shall we would you advise against uplift and tummy tuck done together no Gemma. i would not advise against that at all that is something in Americans call a mummy makeover with a mummy with an O. Terrible. Oof. Mummy. Mummy makeover. But um, um, broadly speaking, it's, it's known as a mummy makeover, and it's basically a tummy surgery and, a, and an abdominal surgery. Men can have it too. I don't know why it's called a mummy makeover. but Well, I do know why it's called a mummy makeover, but anyway, men can have it too. Um, but basically, a tummy surgery and a breast surgery is quite common. Um, um, it was supposed to do one today that's a bit of a sore point but um yeah it is a it is a common thing and it is uh, perfectly reasonable to do them together now the thing about what i would say if you were thinking of having them done together i would say they're both big operations so it's not to be taken lightly because they are both big operations uh, an uplift is a big operation and a tummy tuck is a big operation um and so it will knock you back. It's a long anesthetic if you have them both done together. Um, it does knock you back. And it, um, isn't, it's something that you would have to consider whether it is right for you. So it can be done. And I certainly wouldn't advise against it. And I wouldn't exactly advise for it. You know, I would just say to you, it can be done. It's very commonly done together. Lots of people have it done together. And the main reason people have it done together is just one recovery. You know, while, you know, probably the tummy will be the, big thing i guess so while you're recovering from the tummy then your breast is sort of healing so it's one recovery time with regards to time of work and what have you um it's a lot of efficiencies um in in those terms it is also a little bit cheaper not massively cheaper it is a bit cheaper to have them both done at the same time because of the efficiencies with theaters you know one set and one you know operating session and things like that one hospital stay so there are efficiencies of doing it that way uh, and as I say, the main reason people do it is because you have one um, post-operative recovery. Now, it does sort of increase your risk of complications in terms of it doesn't absolutely risk. It, your risk of complications is the same, but you've got your tummy to worry about, you know, wound healing problems, swelling, bruising, dog ears, bumps, you know, and you've got your breasts to worry about, you know, scars, healing and all that sort of stuff so you've got two areas to worry about so it can be quite stressful it can be quite a big deal to have it done at the same time but it's perfectly normal to have it done at the same time and it's very common to have it done at the same time and a lot of people like having it done at the same time because of the sort of one recovery uh type scenario so yeah it's a it's a it's absolutely fine to do it all in one go as long as you're ready for a big op prepare for a big op you know get yourself on your feet get moving positive diet and all that sort of stuff um you know um so yeah that's thank you thanks Gemma r for that uh Gemma n's coming right back in with an 18 months old on and still in love with my boobs every day oh it's good to hear Gemma. thank you very much that's kind it is difficult when people get further out i like to see people always trying to get back to the clinic but you know it's hard so it's nice to hear because it's um you know well, good, Gemma. Ah, oh, um, you, you can have both done. Absolutely. You can totally have both done. No problem at all. Um, as long as I say, you're all the big thing. Go for it. Have, a, have them 
have them both done. Go for it. Anna is in. Wouldn't be a Facebook Live without Anna coming in with a um, Buonasera Dottoro Hovisto e Vostri Capo Capolavori Sieti Bravissimo Complimenti. Um, hmm. I'm hoping that's not a question, Anna, um, because non Pablo uh, Italiano, I don't speak. My father, I mean, it's terrible. My father, obviously, well, not obviously, my father is Italian, but uh, he, he never really spoke to us when we were little. We'd sort of say, Dad, Dad, what's this in Italian? And he'd say, Oh, same as English. So he wasn't really engaged with the uh, teaching us Italian type thing. And now we say, Oh, Dad, you know, we should talk, you know, talk us Italian. He says, I'll go to night school. So. Yeah, never really got uh, got up on the Italian. So I, I think that's good evening, Doctor. I'm going with the first bit, but the rest, not sure. Compl- I think she's just saying hello. Are you saying hello, Anna? I'm going to say hello back to you, Anna, and hoping that's not a question. And if it is a question, terribly sorry if I ignored you. I think you can. I can translate it later on. The Google will translate that for me. But, yeah, good to, good to have you participating, Anna. Thanks for that. Um, whoa, we've got Helen coming in with another live question. Helen. Good to have you here. Helen is saying, when would fat grafting be used with implants instead of just implants? Right, that's a really good question. Um, so I guess I'm thinking there's three options. There's implants, there's fat grafting, and there's implants and fat grafting. Um, so uh, fat grafting can be used all on its own, but it's very subtle, small results. If you don't use an implant and just use fat grafting, it sounds great on paper, no foreign body, no complications, no long-term sequelae, sucking fat out of your tummy or your thighs or your buttocks or something like that. So, you know, taking fat from one old, fantastic, injecting from my boobs, it would be great. It's really subtle results, small small volumes you, in my hands. So not quite there yet, I think, for a pure cosmetic augmentation. Um, obviously, implants will give you a predictable volume. So the question is, when would fat grafting be used with implants? So when would you combine fat grafting implants? Very rarely is my answer to that. I think I'd probably say never in my, in my hands, but I'll tell you why people would do it. People would do it. In my hands, it would be implants, then fat grafting. And the reason for that is that if you are, haven't got sufficient cover over the top of the breast, if you're very slim, you haven't got enough cover over the breast, this is where submuscular placement of the implants comes in. You know, putting on the muscle gives it an extra layer of cover. But even with submuscular placement, you know, people talk about dual plane, and they say, oh, why not dual plane? Because that's sort of, you know, bit of bit of both. It's not a bit of both. Dual plane. All submuscular implants are dual plane because the muscle goes like that. Your pec major muscle. So the implant here is always sub, um, well, on top of the muscle, sub glands, if you like. Um, you know, it's always um, on on top of the muscle there. So if you get any uh, wrinkling, so first thing, if you've got ripples, you know, putting it under the muscles, an option. But if you're very slim, you haven't got much cover, particularly out here laterally, where there isn't muscle cover and you're worried about so the soft tissue cover over the implant, you could combine implants with fat grafting to get an extra layer of cover if someone's very slim to give some more cover over the implant. Uh, so that is one why someone would, would potentially do it. Um, I don't really do it, so it's hard to say why, because I, 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 I don't do it. It's hard to say why you would do it, but that's why, why, you would, why someone might do it. Um, the reason I don't do it, I do, I do like fat grafting. Fat grafting is a great thing, but um, but um, the reason I don't do it is because, well, twofold. First of all, when you do fat grafting, you can risk damaging the implant, but you could always do the fat graft before you put the implant in. So that would be one 
benefit of doing it at the uh, time of implantation. The other reason is it's quite expensive. Fat grafting is quite an expensive procedure. First of all, you need the liposuction equipment because you're sucking out the fat, and that's quite expensive. The equipment's quite expensive, and also it's quite, quite time-consuming. It does take a few hours to harvest the fat, process the fat, and inject it back in again. And you're a few hours in theatre, so that's going to have cost implications. So it's an expensive thing. So, um, again, if you had it here, your fat grafting and implants would be an expensive operation and the benefit that you get from the fat grafting would be marginal as i said if you're very slim i tend to put it under the muscle yes that doesn't recover under here but you know hopefully rippling and what have you in the lateral aspect of the breast is rare and if you do get it then you always have fat grafting at a later date okay that's probably going to be more expensive than having it done in one go but um but a lot of people won't need it so in that those situations it might be less expensive so, yeah, that's why you might do it. If you wanted to get some extra cover over the implant at the time, then you could combine it with back grafting, but that would be quite an expensive um, operation. And um, so it's not something I'll probably do. Um, hi, Kate. Nice to see you. Um, good to see you here. Uh, we got, we got, a, what, we got, I'm on my last one now. So all in fair warn, this is my last question. Um, so if you've got any questions, get them in, because I'm going to be gone. I'm out of here. Uh, minute. Unless you've got a question, I'm going to stay. If you've got a question, no problem. Uh, I'm going to put this up. You know, comment and share where you are, guys. I mean, we've, we're going to hell for leather on the comments, so I can't ask for more. Well, I can, if you, but I can't ask, say that you haven't done loads, so thank you. It's nice to know that someone's there. Quite frankly, um, so um, yeah, I hope that's helped answer that one, um, Helen. I hope that was helpful. Oh, that was a bit ropey, but then maybe it was all right, was it? Um, I'm guessing someone's told you. So if someone said they'll do that, so you better ask them their specific reasons because um, this is it. it's not something I would commonly do. Um, so we've got a question here, which is, can I have? We get this a lot. I thought I had it in my. Um, my guide for surgery but anyway uh acrylic nails hair extension oh, I'm doing that nail extensions hair extensions and uh piercings things like that so people worry about this the problem is well um i suppose i better talk in general terms or i am better talking in general terms rather than specific well, well i'm gonna no i'm gonna do specific first specifically i'll tell you now me and the anesthetist are usually fine with them I'll be straight up with you. We're fine with them. I know it's a big deal to do these gel things and they sort of bond them on and stuff. So it's a big deal and we are fine with them. The reason people have a go at you about it when you come in, this is talking about nails when you come in for surgery. The reason people will have a go, I say people, it's usually the nurses when you come in and say, mm, got your nails on, is because sometimes when we want to know the blood supply of the, you know, someone, you can sort of press on the nail and you can see the blood. Blanche, nail blanch and then come back and you can see if they've got good what we call capillary refill and um, you can see what their sort of oxygenation of their blood's like but having said that there are other ways you can do it you can do it with the you know the eye looking the inside of the eye also the little thing that uh, measures the oxygen um, saturation goes on the finger but you can put it on the ear you can put it elsewhere you've got on toe but you might have nail stuff on your toes as well so to be honest with you, for the sort of operations we do, certainly for the sort of smaller operations, like well, sort of smaller in time in terms of breast augmentation and things, it's I would say it's fine. And so does the anaesthetist. Having said that, 
when you come in the hospital, the nurses will often say, oh, you got this, and it's a World War Three. it's the world's going to end because you've got, um, um, you've got these nails on, and you've got to take the nails off, and they're like, oh, my God, they're gel, whatever, and I can't get them off, and I've got to be in surgery in an hour, and it's all a nightmare, and it's all terrible. So um, what I would say is probably the easier answer, especially if you're not coming, if you're having other surgeons and stuff like that, if you're just in general terms, is at least one nail should be visible it would be safer if you had one nail visible now you might say well one nail visible means all the nails visible i'm not going to take one of my nails off in which case yeah you're you're probably better off taking your nails off for surgery sometimes it might just be easier telling you that rather than going into oh we're all right with it but they're not all right with it so yeah you've got to take your nails off is that easier you've got to take your nails off for surgery um but uh yeah to be honest with you you nurses and all that but complain about it rather than us so um but yeah okay yes got to take your nails off for surgery now helen has come in look at this she's coming with another question after a breast uplift with implants after uplift, can you change the implants for bigger ones further down the road or not due to uplift scars yes i saw a patient now that is a good question this helen because i saw a patient the other day she said she'd been told she wanted these quite big implants, and she'd be told you can't have these. You need to not live with implants. I was sort of, anyway. I needed up with implants, but I can't put a really big implant in at the time. I'll do an up with implants, and I'll put a smaller implant in, and then in six months or a year later, you can have a bigger implant. It's the problem with plastic surgery is very um, subjective. Yeah, very subjective. Uh, I, I wouldn't do that. I would do the appropriate implant for your frame at the time. Um, and, you know, if you if a bigger implant six months or a year down the line was appropriate for your frame, I would do that at the time of the lift. I know I'm not answering your question, but I will answer your question in a minute. But, you know, so that was just what that person said the other day. Um, so I don't know if there is a sort of school of thought for plastic surgeons out there who do that, but a smaller implant when they do a lift with implant and then they do a big one later. I understand why they're saying it. They're saying it because a lift with implants is a big deal. It's a big op. You lift tightens you know, the breast. The implant tightens the breast. The complication rate is high. Um, those things are tightening the breast. The wound can break down. If the wound breaks down, you get infection, blah, blah, blah. So what I would say is if you're using a bigger implant at the time of the lift, just adjust your lift. Do less of a lift if you're going to use a bigger implant because a bigger implant is going to tighten. What you're trying to do is tighten the skin. There's two ways of tightening the skin. One is by filling it with something, which is the implant, filling it, and that tightens the skin. And two is by cutting the skin out by to tighten it, and that's the lift. So they're sort of both doing the same thing. So if you're using a bigger implant, you would adjust your lift, is what I would say. Um, so I wouldn't do what that other surgeon would do that I said a minute ago. But anyway, in answer specifically, specifically to your question, Helen, after breast cell, yes, I definitely can. A lot of people worry about this. Oh, the scars, it's like a tummy tuck. They say, what if I have a tummy tuck and I get pregnant? Oh, the scars are going to all fall apart. You know, what if I put, have a lift with implants and then I put a bigger implant and the scars going to give way? No, the scars will be fine, Helen. They'll be absolutely fine. Yes, you can have a bigger implant. Well, as long as you can have a bigger implant, your frame will take the bigger implant. The scars are no problem whatsoever. 
uh, the skin is amazing. The skin, in fact, one of the problems with the skin, right? You, if you've had a lip with implants, you will know that when you first have it, everything's tight as anything. You think, oh my Lord alive, this is so tight. And then three, six months down the line, it's no longer tight. And that's one of the problems. It sort of settles and things. And you know, some people, you know, like it to settle. Some people don't, but whatever happens, it settles. The skin gives and the skin has really good elasticity, which is one of the problems with life and why we need to do skin you know excision like do breast lifts and face lifts and and uh, tummy tucks to tighten the skin because it has got such good elasticity so um that in your situation that's good that the skin's got good elasticity you could no problem at all put a bigger implant in those scars will be fine helen or your skin will take up that elasticity and take up the slack then you won't be putting tension on the scars as long as we're talking I'm assuming we're talking six months, 12 months after your surgery. I'm assuming we're not talking, you know, in the first few weeks, because I think in the first few weeks, it will be a living nightmare. Um, but uh, but um, in the, in the, if, if it's like six months a year, then, uh, Helen, is that a joke? Oh, so clearly. <laughs> a joke? It's a joke. Anyway, um, thank you. I'll take it. I'll take it as a non-joke. Um, so um, I always feel like I'm all over the place, really. It's totally unscripted, this, you know. Totally off the top of my head, this stuff. Uh, you wouldn't have thought it, would you? Um, so, yeah, I'm assuming it's a long time after your surgery, Helen. So if it's a long time, like six to 12 months after your surgery, absolutely no problem with having bigger implants whatsoever, in my view. I don't know if this is a problem with this. I don't know if someone's told you something else. Did you ask? Yeah, you asked about the fat grafting and implants, yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know if someone's told you something else, but that's in my view. I'm not saying it's right. It's just my view. Um, so that's brilliant. Helen, two to you. Um, one to you, Gemma R. And um, thanks a lot. That's some really good questions. And I'm really grateful to everyone for asking those questions. Um, I am out of questions now. So I am going to... Uh, scrolling thing on a bit late really um to relax i'm gonna kick back so any questions anyone oh it wasn't a joke it was my surgeon was useless answering questions <laughs> there you go there you go see see that's a, that's the beauty you see i'm up against a whole load of Surgeons are useless at answering questions, so, you know, kingdom of the blind, one-eyed man is king. Well, that's good. Well, thank you. Uh, good at answering questions, me, you know. Um, 12 months down the road. Yeah, 12 months down the road, yeah, you could do the bigger implant, no problem. If that's what you wanted, that should be fine. Um, good. Thank you. Um, that's kind. And I am going to go home. Um... And I hope that's I hope that's been helpful. I'm looking forward to next week very much. And I will answer any questions that may may come to me uh, live here at seven o'clock. So if you have any questions, Facebook or email them or whatever, and uh, or just ask them live. Um, that's that's always good. Gemma's straight in there. So funny. Everybody needs to have. Oh, thank you. Well, Gemma, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know, that's at the end of the thing, I don't know if anyone's around anymore, but um, 
I'm gonna I'm trying to reduce the surgery that I do actually, Gemma, because I'm I'm trying to build the business, I'm trying to build the brand, build the you know, run the run the clinic. So I'm trying to get other people in and you know I think there's room in this country for a brand in uh, plastic surgery that's service driven, quality driven in terms of the surgeons, fully trained plastic surgeons. Not enough fully trained plastic surgeons are doing plastic surgery. There's a lot of people doing plastic surgery who aren't fully trained plastic surgeons in this country. Um, anyway, oh, God, serious. Got serious there. Mustn't get serious. So, yeah, that's, yeah. But thanks, Gemma. That's kind. Didn't expect that. Um, that's like, oh, we've got another comment. Where was the other comment? We've got two comments from Gemma. There we go. Let's get that one up. Just if anyone's watching at this late stage. And we got, I believe that's a clap. A clap from Denise. Right. Um, that's it. I've got to check out. I can't stand this um, adoration. I'm blushing. Right. Uh, thank you all. I'm very grateful for everyone to be, for being here tonight. And I will check out and I will be here again at 7 o'clock next week. And I'd be very grateful if you would drop in. And thanks for dropping in tonight. Ending the broadcast right. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.